back to Colombian Influence. We are on chapter 16. I've been saying it for like the last five chapters that we're almost done. And now we are officially on the last one. What a journey it's been. I could not believe it. What the heck? That went fast. Kind of. Well, it took a year, so whatever you... <laughs> That's all like, fast. This was like, uh, kind of. But no, it did go fast. I'm shocked we made it to the end. Because the first time we did it, I barely made it through halfway. I know. I, I think I, basically the first time I read it, the first two-thirds I contained. The last third, I probably just blacked out reading it because I was like, this is too much! Mm -hmm. And I don't remember reading it. So this time has obviously been very intentional with reading it and taking notes and obviously us doing you know reviews of each chapter so i guess it's been so helpful i, I don't know how i could have done it other ways what doing it slowly? just read it by myself yeah wait by yourself versus what us like taking the chapters and digesting it together oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah that's probably why the first time i was like uh, mm -hmm. i can't do it anymore it's like you have to talk about it with someone Absolutely. like regardless of how that happens whether it's you know, with a group, another person that is or isn't an adoptee, like... Or just watching us. I mean, that's why we did this. Exactly. That's the We've whole had a lot of happened. good feedback on YouTube, um, you know, just having people who we don't even know connect with us and say thank you for doing that, and that's why we're doing it. We love helping other people, and we love just connecting with new people as well, and it helped us. I mean... It helped us a lot, This I is think. helping... Honestly, think about a year ago. Yeah. This whole process has helped us heal, and we've said this before, <clears> like, this is just for us specifically to heal as well as helping and giving resources to others because I know other people have gone through this. So, a little side, I'm so side happy. tip. I'm sorry. But we're on you chapter 16. Let's get it. Okay, so, well, chapter 16 then is titled Honor Thy Children. Which I thought was a weird uh, title for this. Let's so. move past it. Okay, Nancy. That's the <laughs> author's name. If we. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, Either way, um, it's broken down to quite a few sections. Uh, we'll kind of go through the ones that, I guess, kind of hit us the most. Verse one being challenging old assumptions. You had quite a few things here. I did. I just was like, I these assumptions. Time, but these assumptions are just like, come on. The first one it was feels very like elementary at this point. Where I'm yes. like, really? <laughs> exactly. Thing, the general assumption. A uh, child is placed with adoptive parents early enough will not have experienced separation trauma. I'm just like, okay, we've had enough of this through our readings, through our groups, throughout this book even. I know, like, chapter like, 16. This is completely fake. Uh, no matter how young you are, fake no news. matter when it happened, you're going to have that separation trauma. Like, I've learned that and I understand that now. Like, I didn't really realize that or put two mm -hmm. and two together that even though I was three months old, I still had that. Yep. I sure do. Yeah, exactly. The only thing I, like, I highlighted a couple things I just wrote underneath it, LOL. Because it was just, like, I, I, I guess, like, some of them too. Well, I guess, like, kind of going back to how these chapters, I suppose, were done, I kind of wish you would have maybe started with some of these. Yes! This, like, the assumption really that I feel like would have been a really good way to start. And talking, like, the one thing that I uh, underlined was adoption facilitators, um believe that, like, if an adoptive couple loves a child enough, he will be fine. That's what I underlined. It said just LOL. Because I had nothing else to say besides kind of laughing at it and, and just thinking, like, okay. Love equals abandonment. Our big thing is, like, okay. You know, I haven't thought about that in a while. Yeah. I'm, I, that's you, I put that there. you want to talk about that really quickly? Just, like, with what that means? Because we haven't talked about that in a I long time. I think you... Time. 
you brought it to my attention completely. So I want you to take okay. it away, but I also just want to say again, follow us on our social media because we just posted about this today. Um, you're going to see this a couple days after we get this posted, but just talking about how loving a child is great and that's helpful, but like they're still going to have those traumas. It doesn't like that, it. Yes, like that is not accurate. Um, so take it away. Okay. Love equals abandonment. So what does that mean? Love equals abandonment. That was something I want to say that in the first, what, maybe six chapters. Yeah. In the early, very early. Even before we started this book, you've even had Even before, that's true. That is something that I brought up in a earlier portion of this book or just like in our podcast. Mm -hmm. Something that I learned from here that really stood out to me was that when people suggest to adoptees that your biological mother loved you so much mm -hmm. that they put you up for adoption. That is a really, really complicated thing for adoptees to hear because to them, love equals abandonment. And that is exactly why people have issues yeah. figuring out love outside of that. Like, mm -hmm. to, I mean, without getting too deep into my personal life, it's like it, it, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Where it's like, that that isn't, like, insane to think about. Where I'm like, I mean, that is a, it's a learned thing. I'm very much a believer in patterns when it comes to relationships yes. and behavior and traumas and all these types of things. And this is one of those types of things where I'm just like, you know, love, if that's what we're told over and over and over and over again, is that, like, this is why this happened because they loved you so much. Then if somebody loves me so much, that means they're they're gonna go. Yeah. And that doesn't make any type of sense. And that doesn't make me want to attach. Yeah, it doesn't no. make me want to attach to anybody. Exactly. That's where the attachment issue comes in. That is in. so crazy. Yeah, Why I'm would really they even you brought that up? I haven't honestly thought about yeah. that in a really long time. So that was the first thing I thought of when I read I that. I did not even. Th See, this is why I love talking about this. Is because it just <laughs> we haven't talked about it in a while. And actually, at the end of that first section of challenging old assumption, it just mm -hmm. says the ability to trust love from someone else is, I believe, impaired. Yeah. That's so true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's see. Um, next section being the mother connection. I didn't have anything. I didn't have anything with that one. Okay. I guess Jumping let's skip it over. Jumping to the end of 216, putting the well-being of the child first. I think I talked about this a little bit in the past chapter, um, chapter 15. At the very end there... I was kind of talking about my experience with my birth mom, and it just says, it makes no sense to me that we take babies away from mothers who have no financial resources mm. and then pay someone else, aka, like, foster parents to take care of them. Like, that well, was so interesting. Well, and also, so I just want to mention, she says, why not pay the, pay the real mother? Yes. Weird that she keeps using the term real mother at the end. Don't want this. Again, I feel like this last third of the, of the conclusion Maybe it should have been just the intro, but that's just me. That's Whatever. That's a really good input. But, like, but I Kate talked about this, too. Like, if we just gave those resources, if we gave that financial help, and it's not that easy for mothers. Like, I think a lot of people have tried that, too. And, like, getting assistance might not be that easy. Like, It's not that easy. I had friends growing up in college. Mm -hmm. I was a year older than them, and I had friends that were – I was a sophomore in college. They were freshmen in college. Both of them were pregnant. They had babies within six months of each other. They ended up being basically family. We had this weird, like, group of five girls. Like, yeah. it was these two mamas, 
two babies within six months of each other, and myself. Wow. This is where, with those resources, with my friend Laura, shout out to Laura and Tessa, um, Laura had to get assistance. Mm -hmm. She had food stamps. That was where all of us, like Laura, Jessica, myself, learned where to cook and how to cook. Yeah. Because they had that. They had to make sure that they maintained that cost. And that's because that a... would have been taken away had they yeah. not used it. So we made sure to do that. That's mm -hmm. how we learned it. Laura and I traded money, essentially, where she would use... If she didn't have money for diapers or gas, mm -hmm. I would buy those. She would buy me food because that was the way to do it. And with those resources... That is a huge challenge. Yeah. And like you said, going back to Kate, this is an episode where we talk very much in depth about the ethics behind adoption mm -hmm. and a lot with more of international adoption. However, it is very prevalent to the United States because I think yes. what I, a lot of people are realizing mm -hmm. is, you know, donations to food shelves are becoming more prevalent in just the United States. And it's like, mm -hmm. okay, well... This used to be a thing where we donate to third world countries, but our country now needs this. Yeah. And I guess you kind of even mentioned in the last chapter about your bio mom being like she used these resources that were given to her. And she could have used so much more. And if she would have had these, I bet she would have kept me. I'm sure she would have. Because she didn't And that makes to... me feel a little weird. Like, whoa. Isn't it weird that like, I mean, it's that's something all that's... she needed. I mean, it's and something that she can't get. Yeah. And it's because of just like how people view what's mm. important. Yeah. And it's really discouraging. And it's just because. And getting on that, like it systemic. talked about that in that next part, like it's humiliating for people to like say, I need help. I am needing, you know, just to get on welfare for a couple of years to get me on the right track because maybe this wasn't exactly what I had planned. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, I don't know. I just really thought about my birth mom. I'm just like, wow. Like, again, what would my life be if that was the case? Because even if she had that assistance, it would still be a struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just very interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I mean, this chapter in comparison to others and being the conclusive chapter is strangely short. But You'll hear my thoughts on that at the end. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit more <laughs> about that. Um... Let's see But we're here. jumping down, I think, to the last couple of sections. Like, the future of adoption, I had a couple of things on that. Yeah, what did you think about that? Um, What did I think, honestly? I, I only had a, I didn't really have anything highlighted. It was just kind of like, I had other thoughts about it than what was written, so. I could agree to that. I just think, you know, it was a really good point in here that hopeful adoptive parents really just need to take the time to prepare emotionally, um... And just, like, physically for themselves and for their family to meet the needs of this child. Like, every child has different needs. And just being prepared for that with adoption especially, there's a lot of different traumatic events and situations mm -hmm. that play out in that. And so being prepared is, like, a thing that we've talked about a lot and a thing that I think a lot of hopeful adoptive parents need to continue to, you know, understand because... I think yeah. that's a section and a part of adoption that they just overlook. Yeah, I think a lot of the adoption, especially in our life, or I guess in our generation, mm -hmm. there's, it, we, we're probably not in the generation where people are like, I didn't know I was adopted until this year's old or whatever. Right. That's rare. Yeah. 
So that's good. But I think a lot of parents, and not necessarily ours at all, but from what I've seen, again, on these adoption support groups on Facebook, it's like they've their parents viewed it as, like, really, very seriously, just an alternative to what they've already done. Yeah. Or what if they've already had a bio child or having a child, period. Yes. It's like, it's the same to them. And it's mm-hmm. really not. And I think there does need to be more awareness with that. Absolutely. And that's kind of the only thing I took out of that. And the next one, like, lowering expectations. Um, we've talked about this again quite a bit. It's, I think mm-hmm. it's it makes sense. It's kind of the conclusion wrapping certain things that we've talked about up. Um, but this was just, like, trust builds very slowly after this type of separation with adoptees that they mm-hmm. experience. So I think just giving that you know, patience with that and just understanding that it's difficult to accept. And so, you know, just understanding that it's going to take time for the adoptee to trust and they may never fully trust. So yeah, I think that was an interesting topic on that lowering expectations. But again, not much that really like stuck out to me. It was like, ooh, that was validating. I think the only thing that I wish was a little bit, and this is only sticking out to me now, is changing expectations. Mm-hmm. versus lowering i feel like that um Ooh, i love that that vocabulary yeah is kind of diminishing for us as adoptees because like i am realizing and we'll talk about about this a little bit more at the end of the chapter just as an overall like how we felt about the whole book but i just feel like that is very like diminishing of our character mm-hmm. and our experiences and it's like i have no problem with and i think a lot of adoptees that have kind of done more work as far as coming out of the fog have no problem with the fact that we are deep people yes we have a lot that we have thought about that is just conceptualized like and felt and felt and and one of the most common that i have brought up to friends that i've known for 20 years being like i've never been in the room like i don't think i would know Mm -hmm. what it feels like looking like someone if i look someone in the eye and they look like me i don't know if i would know it and that's like a all great my... thing going back to eric's like i love that we can bring back all yes. these past interviews i know that's the thing is like, what's so yes. cool about bringing this whole book together and the whole experience is like different sections like really tie into a lot of different yeah. adoptees that we've interviewed in the past episodes yeah. um but yeah you'll never know what that's like and i and the thing is is just like i just i don't know how i'd feel about that if mm. i saw someone that looked like me like Someone, I guess it's, we've been watching Love is Blind, and our friend Jessica was just like, you know, you kind of have the same facial features as Mallory, like, just, you know, whatever. And I was like, whoa. And I was like, I I don't know if that's accurate or not. Like, I don't know. I think it's the hair, like, just like. It's probably like the texture, like, grand And like your face shape. Oh my gosh. Jessica. I yeah, she was see just that. Like, I just she had just like mentioned it and not in this context, but she was like, "You kind of look like Mallory." I'm like, "I look like Mallory." Okay, like she's cute. I'm not, yeah, she's adorable. I <laughs> yes, love her. I love she's her. beautiful. Like I'm not mad about it. Yeah, but it's just like you know what? She's interesting. Mixed, like she's half Latina. That's what mm-hmm. she kind of says in the show. And I guess I don't really go too much into it. But it's like based on my 23andMe stuff with being a combination of you know, mostly, like, European, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, it's just, like, it was interesting, and I was, like, I don't, I can't see it, but that's because I don't know if I would ever see it. Right. So, again, going, looping all the way back to the lowering (laughs) expectations, I think it should just be changing expectations. So, Nancy, if you're watching, which we don't think you are, um, (laughs) 
which we don't think you are. But it's just like, I think it should be changing expectations because I don't think it should be a low expectation for those of us who are adopted. I personally, I guess, frankly, I find that insulting. That's a really, I loved that. Like, that makes so much sense. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Let's see. The next section, society's attitude must change. Kind of the same thing, expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. 220. Let's see here. Oh, this was kind of talking about... Thinking about um, mental health professionals. Mm. Not even going to go off my notes. I'm trying to just kind of think of this, how I thought about it, reading it. Talking about how, like, in the middle top second paragraph of 220 too many adoptees have been made to feel abnormal or crazy when they have simply been responding to that early experience and then just also discussing the fact that like this is very common experiences for adoptees i kind of connected it back to our hair episode yeah talking about our experience with curly textured whatever hair if you've seen Encanto, they do a wonderful job yes. of giving different skin colors of adoptees, but also, or not adoptees, of Colombians, mm-hmm. but also hair, colors, texture, all of it. And they're related. Like, yes. there's, such, there's such a great variety. And over time, we've kind of learned that in cosmetology, they have like a two, three day uh section about curly textured hair and it, that's it is a, nothing that's literally nothing compared to how long they're in school and it's very upsetting like uh, we've talked about our journey with hair and like definitely take a look back at that episode with you know talking about curly hair with your identity mm-hmm. or hair and your identity and everything with that it's a really big thing i think it kind of the same thing goes for a mental health professional Because when I was seeking out a mental health professional Mm. in the spring of 2020, I was trying to find one that either related to, like, cultural trauma or adoption trauma or, I I guess, to be completely frank, someone that just wasn't a, like, I've mostly seen white people. Yep. And I was like, you know, I kind of want to seek someone out that may have a different point of view. Not that I've had any bad experiences, how and I hadn't, uh, you know, uh, approached those professionals with adoption stuff. But I was like, you know, I do think someone from a different perspective, even if they're not adopted, it would be helpful helpful to find someone from a different background that isn't just like absolutely, you know, Caucasian. And maybe that's why you didn't bring up adoption. Like, just internally, you just didn't yeah. think it was like correct. Granted, I think a lot of it was just because I was like, well, timeline. It didn't. I didn't feel like it was the biggest prevalent issue. Yeah. Then at this time, I was just like, you know, I'm 27. Maybe now's the time to really face it. And Makes sense, yeah. That was when I started reading it because I was furloughed at the time. I had the time. It was great. Like, it was a really good time for me to be learning about myself. Like, Absolutely. Whatever. We have time for that for another day. (laughs) Um, But I think it's kind of important to just mention the fact that I don't think mental health professionals, unless they specialize in this, are being taught much about... Mm -hmm. Adoption trauma, and there are so many of us. I think that needs to be a much more prevalent thing to, going back to last episode, so chapter 15, 15. Mm-hmm. talking about different family dynamics, Yeah, whether that is, you know, not going back to 
man and woman, biological parents going to a family that is mixed, like, you know, a transgender mom and dad or like whatever it is. Someone that is not biologically able to have a child Mm -hmm. where they have to use surrogacy and or a sperm donor. I definitely believe that that is more beneficial for these parents to live their lives authentically Mm -hmm. and be able to raise a child based on those circumstances. Having these circumstances where you can tie that into it and having these mental health professionals Mm -hmm. be able to adhere to that and be able to like cater to that and provide that comfort huge and i hope that continues to grow i do it's, it's gonna be I needed think we're at a good spot where maybe Absolutely. that's more hopeful and that's maybe more possible i don't know yeah. that's just kind of where it was a tangent i'm so sorry but it was worth it i don't know i just think <laughs> we that love that's, tangents <laughs> we do i guess we do we do love tangents but yeah that's just kind of where that made me land on that um it's a really good point i honestly like if i'm gonna be super blunt i had nothing else <laughs> i didn't really have that much else um the only thing was on the last page page 222 you're gonna say what i wanted to say probably we always do we do if we are going to put children first Mm -hmm. we are going to have to face with courage and determination the truths about how our decisions impact these children no matter how difficult and painful it may be acknowledging our vulnerabilities limitations and dealing with adoption is just huge. And I think that was a really good point. Just a great way to end it. Yeah. I I do think that that was 10 out of 10, Nancy. Good job. <laughs> we don't necessarily I always cannot agree, believe like, we're done. We just, like, closed the book. We I know. Like, like, that was the last time I'm going to close it. And, like, it's done. And I think, like, Woo! I think this would be something that would be really interesting to revisit. Because I revisited it, what, within two years. Well, I guess technically a year. Yeah. But I think it'd be interesting to revisit this, and it's so funny because it looks so... It's like wear and tear. There is highlighting. There is pen marks everywhere in here. I think it'd be really interesting to revisit in five years and see where I'm at and just, like, see what different things hit me. But right now, it's just like we're finishing this up, I guess, overall. I guess we usually talk about, like, how does this make us feel? Take it over. Like, I loved your point of view, and I, I want them to hear it. Um, okay. I'm, I'm And down. then I'm, I'm going to jump in after that. But okay. Like, I loved it. All right. Well, I'm just going to kind of read what I wrote down when I first initially read this. So, yes. So, in the book overall, in just this last chapter, just talking about people being fit to be parents, talking about selfishness, which is it? Like, being parents or being not, or, like you know, having that ability to biologically have children, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Is someone selfish for not wanting kids or are they selfish for having them and not having resources or a society that supports it even when they condemn abortion or sex ed or free birth control? Like there are so many Mm -hmm. things that I think there needs to be just a decision. (laughs) Um, Overall in the book, I think it was a really good conclusion. Nancy definitely, Nancy. That was a good conclusion. I I I don't agree with that, but go for okay. it. Keep going, well, keep going. I think just this last this last chapter was a decent conclusion. She lost me a little while, and I understand why some adoptees read this and feel a little salty. Because yes, I agreed with that. When we were working through it, people were like, "Why are you reading this?" And we're like, mm-hmm. "What?" But now we're at the end of it, and I'm like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." Um, but I feel like this last chapter and then conclusion 
she generally redeems herself. At least that's my opinion. I agree with um, the part I agreed with was mostly like she lost me in the last couple of bits. Yeah. Like I agree, you know, like the last part. I would say part three and four were just hard for me to connect with. And, and like I guess with that's that, true. We usually have something, but we didn't have anything. Yeah. And with that, it was just kind of like, okay, like I get where she's coming from. But at some points, I'm just like, Nancy, like you shouldn't even be saying this at all. Like, why are you even coming for this part? Which, like, you shouldn't have a say on that. I don't necessarily say it was like in this specific chapter. Um, are you going down to the book overall? No. Oh, okay. just okay. Just like this part, and kind of like agreeing with what you were saying. Like, this was a good conclusion, but I'm like, eh, it was okay. This chapter is just brief in my eyes. Mm, yeah. Um, and like, I personally felt like it was a bad way to end. Like, I just, I felt like I was left up in the air. Like. Mm, what well, now? let's loop back a little bit as far as these chapters and these discussion questions. First one being, as an adoptee, what do you hope for the future of adoption? Mm, that's a complex you question. Have, I know. That is a very Woo! complex question. I think everybody kind of knows where I'm at, where it's just like, I think there should be more prevention to make sure there aren't more kids in the foster and adoption system. Yes. I don't think it's rocket science, but whatever. Mm -hmm. um, any other And I think additional? just the biggest thing for me is more resources and i think our generation is doing an amazing job and i don't think that's Awareness. ever gonna stop yeah like I think we're us as an adult going, adoptees yeah. are just rocking it and like shout out to everyone who is doing different platforms we have connected with so many people in the community giving different inputs and we love that and we love being a part of that um i think that's huge and just having those resources for people and younger kids growing up yep. to be able to just connect and you know have that but other than that i mm -hmm. totally agree with like future of adoption portion and like the business portion like there's a lot of work yeah i agree um and i guess as far as the book overall well before you go to that like looking back on what you learned throughout this whole book what do you wish you would have done differently in your life growing up as an adoptee i suppose for me it's kind of more of like What's going on now, I wish, would have been accessible when we were kids, which I don't think that there's no changing that. Nope. Um, I do think there is a lot of power in how our generation's parents, as adoptive parents, are learning more. And I think parents, although overall, in general, are always doing the best they can. And I don't want to discredit that ever. Yeah. There is, and I've learned this from this book and just my own journey, there is a lot of power in apology and just saying it. Yes. There's no asking things to change, but apology can hold a lot of weight. Mm. And I think a lot of adoptees feel as though parents are withholding that and just, like, they're ashamed of it, which mm. is fair. But that's something that overall in my mental health journey has been so, like, get rid of the pride. Yeah. You know, just, just apologize. That's it's not going to ruin you. Yeah. Once you start apologizing and learning these things, it becomes easier. Mm -hmm. Let it become easier. You know, it's just like, that's where I think is something overall in general, as well as, um, I don't know. There's a couple of things, like just cultural stuff, but it's like, I, it would have been very different. It really depends on when you grew up. We grew up in a time Absolutely. when technology hadn't taken over like it has now. That would have been different. Yeah. So what about you? And I think, 
I very similar. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I was exposed to quite a bit with adoption and going to camps and all these things that we've talked about. Um, so that was really good. I think culturally, what you kind of touched base on, I wish I knew Spanish. I wish I learned mm-hmm. that young. That would have been super nice coming from Colombia where that is the main language there. Like I do have that disconnect with being in a reunion. Um, other than that, like just from being in the book, like I just wish I had a voice when I was younger and I don't think I could ever change that. You know, it just takes time no. to come out of the fog, but I just wish that was different because I think that would have been so, so beneficial for my adoptive parents and me just having that op- open communication that we do now about adoption. Yeah. That would have been super nice, but like, I don't know. It just wasn't the right time for me. And like, I came out of the fog a little bit later and doing this, I had my voice, you know, but I don't think that's something I could change. It's just something that I thought yeah. about while reading the book. Like, oh, I wish I had that voice younger. Mm-hmm. And some people do. Some people really stick to what they believe and what they feel. And for me, it was just more like ashamed and nervous. And do I trust it? I don't know. So mm-hmm. that was the only thing I, I could really pinpoint on that. What about the book overall? Thoughts on finishing the book? I just could not believe we're here. Um, first of all, I wanted to say, like, I'm so proud of us because... This is amazing. Starting, yes. Like, this is another portion of our podcast as a whole. But starting this book, it was, like, kind of daunting. daunting. Like, it, yeah, daunting is the perfect word for it. This is, like, it was tough. There was tough conversations, eye-opening, like, points in this book that overall helped me understand, like, why I am the way I am. And Yes! Oh, my gosh. I even, <laughs> even in my relationship now, I'm like, okay, I understand, like, why I have these certain, like, yep. things about me. Why, you know, like, friendships are a little bit harder to close doors on. Yes. Things like that. Like, all these little things I knew that were an issue or that I had. I just didn't know where it came from. So this book opened my eyes in that. Um, Again, in the beginning of the book, I felt very validated by a lot of my feelings that I felt throughout my entire life. Towards the end, it was more just like the technical side of things like I didn't really understand or I I didn't feel like Nancy had a a view on. But honestly, I'm really, really proud of us. And... I'm hoping we can continue this book club series with new books. Um, We have a huge list that people have given us. Yeah. I would love to read a book from adoptee's perspective. I think that would be really amazing and interesting. So let us know if you have any other suggestions. But what did you think overall? Like, literally the same. I feel like it was very, like, reaffirming Mm -hmm. with my journey and kind of feeling a certain way. Like, we had so many differences, but it kind of, like, made it make sense. Like, Yes. Even though I don't believe in certain things like a fitting a box, it was kind of nice to fit in a box for once mm-hmm. in a while where it was like, you know, where you were this one thing, I was this one thing. Like, especially with those theories of attachment, that yes. really made sense for me. And it made it just be like, I know it's only a theory, but it made me so much more connected to how I feel about things and being mm-hmm. like, this is why. And especially because of the why made sense. Yeah. And it made me a little bit like more proud of myself like I feel a lot more confident in like my journey of adoption like what I've said before is coming out of the fog is a lifelong journey I personally think like I've come out of it I'm at the peak of it like I'm doing really well same but there's always these little parts that I'm going to continue to learn and this is one of them and I just feel I feel really really good it took us a while and I'm glad we took it you know the way we did um and I hope you are just feeling the same as we are if you're feeling a little different 
you know, reach out to us. We'll be there for that support. But we truly appreciate you being there throughout this whole year or a little bit over a year yeah, during this Primal Wounds experience and book club. We have had the best time. Uh, thanks for NBC Studio for hosting this and just allowing us to be here in the studio. We love the studio time. It's been a really good time with everyone. Until next time. Later. Bye. Bye.